Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your co-host, Jen Wolf, and joining me today is co-host Joe Amadon. Hey, Joe. Hey, Jen. And co-host Dusty Jones. Hey, Dusty. Hi there. So today we're talking with Dr. Frances K. Harper. She's an associate professor of STEM education at the University of Tennessee and TPTE director of diversity and inclusion. We are talking with Frances today so that she may share some of her experiences in mathematics teacher education and her community engaged scholarship focusing on considerations of identity and power in mathematics teaching and learning. Welcome, Frances. How are you? I'm doing well, Jen. Thanks. Thank you so much for being with us today. Can you take a minute to introduce yourself beyond what we already shared? What did we miss? One thing that I would emphasize is that a lot of my work is really community oriented. So I am right now involved in developing some programming around community engagement and family engagement, right, for our teacher preparation program, Um, of course, in mathematics, but more broadly as well. Um, And I've been working for the last four years with um, some parent leaders from the community who I, you know, learned so much from in terms of how I think about working with teachers. Okay. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So what's kind of been your journey to get here? Like, how did you start teaching math teachers and why? Like, what's what's that journey? Um, so I came to teaching through a non-traditional route, right? I wasn't originally planning to be a teacher. I was planning to go to medical school. Um, After coming back from teaching English for two years in Japan, um, but I realized while I was teaching English in Japan that I actually really loved education and and working with students. Um, So when I came back to the U.S., I was working part-time or working full-time while working on my teaching license full-time. And through that master's program, started doing some, you know, research around complex instruction in particular. Um, And so I did a lot of work on my own teaching in terms of making a difference in students' lives. Um, But through the experiences of students as they went on after being in my classroom, realized that, you know, one classroom and one teacher has a limited impact, right, on um, how students are able to disrupt the inequities that they experience throughout their lives. Um, So I wanted to have a bigger impact, right, on more students. And so thought that um, working with teachers, right, so if there was consistency across um, the experience of students, across multiple teachers, that perhaps that can make a bigger impact, which um, we've seen, you know, in research from some of like Lonnie Horn's work, for example, Mm -hmm. working on like school-wide and system-wide change. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the initial interest in teacher education um, was the idea of, you know, having a a bigger impact beyond what I could do in an individual classroom setting. Um, So then I um, went to graduate school with the idea of being involved in teacher education. Um, And so my first, I guess, formal experience was my first year in my doctoral program at Michigan State when I was the teaching assistant for the secondary math methods course. Yeah, I really, I wanted to give a shout out um, to the work that you've been doing in complex instruction. You have a very robust website. And then I think 
you and uh, Sandra Crespo wrote, wrote an article for MTLT that I use with my pre-service teachers quite a bit, um, where you're, you've got some different master designer tasks. And, um, and, you know, we've talked about in different ways that you can kind of engage in that task and thinking about our emergent multilingual population and ways to modify it. And I've just really drawn on that quite a bit when I'm um, introducing orchestrating group work. So I really appreciate the work that um, you've, you've put out there um, for us to, to draw on and try to do that um, spreading of making a bigger difference, right, in the communities uh, around uh, group work. Okay. Thank you. That that piece was a labor of love. It took us, I think, six years to finally <laughs> get that oh, piece wow. out. So it's glad. it's beautiful. It's it's so well done, and I I love the videos that are embedded with in it. I think through was it the grip project or thematic or was it? Yeah, the less I don't the lesson sketch sketch stuff, but, right? Yeah, it's stuff that Sandra had been involved with, so yeah. um, we brought that in. Yeah. So as you've gone through your journey and teaching math teachers and your community engaged scholarship, what's the kind of the best uh, advice you received when you started doing this work? Um, so I um, took a course through the STEP program at Stanford University that was taught by Rachel Laton. Um, and I think some of the advice that she gave to the, the future teachers in that class um, is what has really stuck with me and in some ways guided my approach to teacher education. So I remembered her talking about how, you know, complex instruction is complex, right? It's it's challenging. And it so is. Um, don't expect to walk into your first year of teaching and do everything that you've learned um, in your teacher preparation program. Um, that if you do, you know, one or two group worthy tasks in your first year, you're doing great. Um, especially if you're coming into a school where there's not the culture, right? And the curriculum isn't set up already for complex instruction. So that advice that she gave to future teachers, I think, has really influenced how I think about um, what I include in the work that I do with future and practicing teachers. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I think oftentimes we think of some of these ideas like complex instruction or teaching math for social justice as being too complex or or too difficult for beginning teachers, especially. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I've kept in mind that it's important to show them the possibilities of, of what math teaching can be um, so that as they continue to develop throughout their career, they they have these seeds that they can grow into uh, the teacher that they want to be. Yeah, I like how you're talking about like the the planting of seeds and it it made me think about um, what's the grain size or the entry points into the work that we do with pre-service teachers? Because there's so much to do in teacher preparation. So how do I kind of sift through what's what I need to do that'll hit, but also recognize that... Um, to think about what are those kind of seeds that I can plant that we can nourish, right? As we and water as we move forward in our journeys for for teaching. Some great advice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when you think about the work that you do, is there a word or a phrase or maybe a quote that helps you center the work that you do in, in teaching math teachers and and in your community engaged scholarship? So 
in my teaching philosophy, I start with a quote from Bell Hooks. Um, and so I think this has helped me think about the work that I do and, and how I present it, especially to others who don't share the same socio sociopolitical or critical stance to teaching. Um, so she says, one of the things that we must do as teachers is twirl around and around and find out what works with the situation that we're in. Our models might not work, and that twirling, changing is part of the empowerment. Um, mm -hmm. So I think um, for me, this really emphasizes that what is so I don't know, exciting about teaching for me is that it's never the same, right? In you could be using the same curriculum, but you're always going to have a different group of students in a different situation. And there's always going to need be a need to adapt um, for the situation and the people that you're working with. Um, and we bring in these models, right, for what we think math teaching and learning is and should look like, but that sometimes those models don't work in the way that we think that they would work. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me, that's really where um, learning from and with students and their families, um, for me and for teachers, right, is so important. Um, and so being empowered to learn from your students and learn from their families and to make those changes that you need to address the situation that you're currently in in the moment is, is so important, right, for for the work of teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we think about teaching as being this highly contextualized practice um, that requires adaptation, then we really do have to understand the sociopolitical contexts, right, of teaching, because that's mm -hmm. part of the situation that we're in. Um, and so in my teaching philosophy and, you know, all of my tenure promotion dossier and annual mm -hmm. review, all of those kinds of things that that's sort of how I frame the critical aspect of the work that I do mm -hmm. is that's part of the situation, right? That teaching must, you know, respond to two, um, but that it doesn't have to be disheartening, right? It can mm -hmm. be boring if we're open to learning with and from your students and their families. Yeah. And when you think, when you think back along your journey and, and where you've been and where you're going for someone who's starting out and thinking about this work and the social political context and things and getting engaged in community scholarship, what advice would you give to someone um, wanting to, to, to get into this a little bit more? I think the first thing is to figure out what work you need to do on yourself first. Mm, that's self-work. Because if you haven't done some self-work, I think you go into spaces with students or communities and can do more harm, right, than, than good. Mm -hmm. uh, and that self-work, right, is a, a long, tedious process. So it never stops, right? But I think that's that's where it has to start um, is, is figuring out um, – sort of the sociopolitical situation of your own life and how that's impacted who you are and why you want to work in the spaces that you want to do work. Mm -hmm. um, and so really interrogating that first. Um, and then I think that, you know, just shifts your perspective 
in terms of how you go in to interact with people. And so really all interactions are an opportunity to, to learn right with and, and from people. Um, and so never going into a space as the expert, right. But going into a space with one kind of expertise um, that you can bring while recognizing the expertise that others bring as well. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Just thinking about where are you situated and your beliefs and when you go into that kind of um, what Goldie Muhammad calls unearthing self or like Yolanda Seely Ruiz, who says the archaeology of self, like where are you positioned? What do you believe? And then how do you sit um, in the discomfort sometimes, right? Um, in those stories that in narratives of the ways that you've walked the world and, and thinking about those and the impact that it has on others. So, yeah, I really love the the advice of starting with self. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, early in my doctoral program, I took a critical race theory course in education with Dorinda Carter Andrews at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And one of the assignments in that course is to write a, a critical race auto ethnography or, mm. and I think, or autobiography. And um, so I think that was really transformational in thinking about my own experiences through the lens of what we were reading and learning about in the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I've interrogated my own experiences, I can then empathize with white teachers differently, right? I can see the ways that what I did enacted harm, right, on students mm-hmm. um, and can, you know, offer that as a a point of connection, right, with teachers mm-hmm. who might have a hard time of seeing the way that what they're doing is harming students. Um, so it's been really critical for me in building relationships with teachers, right, to, mm-hmm. to try to have them be open to thinking more critically about what they're doing in their classrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that that pausing, I think, and, and moving with intentionality and being kind of critical of like, I have caused harm. What are the ways I've caused harm? Even though that wasn't my intent, that's my impact. So I'm thinking I work with pre-service teachers. How do we get them to pause and think about well, my intent wasn't to cause harm, but this was the impact that it had. And so how do I go into repairing that if that needs to be repaired? Um, yeah. That's good. I mean, just the idea of that interrogating your own, kind of your own story. I mean, I think about my own, I had a chance to take a critical race theory class at Wisconsin as well. And like similar sort of thing where like, hey, I had this narrative about myself and then taking some of the lenses that that course offered, you know, you talk about some of that self-work of doing that and interrogating your own story and maybe then even tying back to this idea of twirling. Like I haven't changed where I'm at and where I'm doing, but all of a sudden now this orientation changes like, Oh, this like, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps, Mm. but then not recognizing the privilege that was in these, all these different situations where like, wow, I wanted to be a math teacher, every math teacher that I wanted to be or every math teacher I had, kind of looked like me. Right. And so there's always this been this like self-affirming, like, yeah, you could be a math teacher versus like other people that don't, maybe didn't have some of those same images and other, you know, other things that, that interrogating your own story, I think, cause that idea about starting with that self-work, well, what does that even look like? It could just be starting right there thinking about what's the story you've, you've got about yourself and like thinking about, well, what exists within that story that you might not have, uh, in, investigate. You've just kind of just been living it. So 
Yeah, like those different um, identities that we bring and the intersections of them. And I just, something that you just said there, Joel, made me think about um, when I look at the lens of being like a first generation college graduate, like, and just, oh, if I just work harder, I'm determined Mm -hmm. if I just work harder, that'll be enough and not thinking more critically about systemic barriers that exist, right? And for Mm -hmm. whom, you know, so taking time to kind of process process that um, through that self-work. Yeah. And I think that's uncomfortable, right? Like mm-hmm. looking at your own experiences and asking like, how have you perpetuated harm, right? Mm-hmm. Situations. Um, but I think it makes me less uncomfortable now when I'm in spaces where I'm asking people to do that work um, because I've been uncomfortable myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Francis, you've, you mentioned earlier that you've you do a lot of community engagement, family engagement, and I I certainly understand you know based on the the last few minutes of conversation how important that on self reflection is. So um, what I'm about to ask, I'm not going to say. Let's put all that aside. And how do you do this? But so someone's maybe gone through some of that. They're they're in the process of of examining that, and they really do want to reach out to uh, the families of their students. Um, what, what practical experiences have you had that you say this, this worked or this worked in this situation or what might you, what kind of advice might you give someone who's wanting to, you know, connect with families in a meaningful way? Um, so start with building relationships with Mm -hmm. people who already have trusting relationships with families. Um, So I, in my work, partner with two local nonprofits, actually three now, because I work with our Children's Science Museum as well. um, And they do a lot of great work around um, equity and social justice in how they approach the museum programming. Um, the other two organizations, one is our local urban league and the other is a center um, for Hispanic families in, in East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I reached out initially to the two education coordinators, one at the urban league and one at Centro um, and invited them to serve on the advisory board for mm-hmm. one of our projects. Um, so it was a low right level of commitment, but it initiated, right, a relationship. Um, And so they've gotten to know me a little bit through learning about the work that I do um, as advisory board members. And that has just opened up lots of other possibilities, Hmm. right? So um, in particular with the education director at Centro, right, anytime she's looking for people to help with the educational programming that she does, like she reaches out to me to ask Mm -hmm. if I know people, um, and then both of those organizations then eventually became um, collaborators on my what is, my NSF career grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, they play a much more active role in kind of the co-development of the program that I'm offering right now for, um, we have 10 mothers who've been involved with mm-hmm. me for the last year. But the first year was all, you know, curricular co-development with the community organizations. Yeah. And so I think um, oftentimes we think about going through schools, right, to get to families, but schools typically position families in in pretty deficit ways Mm -hmm. um, and think about parental involvement in the school, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so when we talk to schools about 
involving parents or engaging parents. They're typically thinking about bringing parents to teach parent conferences or being on the PTO or the PTA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are these very limited ways that schools are thinking about engaging families. And I think a lot of times, especially for Black and Latinx families, that the trust with the school isn't necessarily there. Mm-hmm. But I think there are nonprofit organizations and a lot of spaces that are, you know, better meeting the needs of the communities. Um, and then you're not limited to one particular school either in terms of um, being able to work with and learn from families. Mm-hmm. That's that. Those are great. I really appreciate that. Uh, my my brain is starting to spark in lots of different ways. So I'll I'll try to con- corral some of those thoughts and maybe come back. <laughs> but Francis, could you talk? Um, you kind of alluded to it in your response to Dusty, but um, could you talk some about your work on the planner and craft projects mm-hmm. and that community engaged scholarship? Yes. So I'll start with CRAFT um, because that project started first. So CRAFT um, has two R's and stands for Culturally Relevant Robotics, a Family and Teacher Partnership for Computational Thinking in Early Childhood. Um, So in that project, it was a a three-year NSF-funded CS for All project. And the goal was to co-develop a culturally relevant robotics program for Black and Latinx preschoolers, and then to understand the impact of that program on the children's computational thinking and sense of belonging in STEM. Um, But there's been so much development work um, that's happened. So using a design-based research methodology approach, um, and from the beginning, co-developing this program with teachers and families of Black and Latinx children. Um, and so that was really where my work in Community Engaged Scholarship sort of formalized, right? Um, it had happened in other ways before, but really thinking about um, working with families, not necessarily through the school, right, but um, through other means in which they can contribute to what's happening in classrooms. Um, And so we're wrapping up that project now. Um, It has been quite a while (laughs) ride because um, we weren't quite sure how to bring teachers and parents together. So um, we found that it didn't really work. So instead we met separately with teachers and parents and then the university team kind of served as a bridge um, to share what we had learned from parents with teachers, right? Um, and then, you know, to communicate questions and ideas from the teachers to the parents. Um, and so it really was a co-development process, um, but it didn't look like everyone in the room all at the same time. Um, and so then moving into thinking about my career grant, um, I wanted to take different approach to engaging families and then engaging families and teachers together. Um, And so when I wrote the career grant, which for short we call PLANER, so that's Parents Leading Change and Advancing Racial Justice in Elementary Math. Um, So with this project, so it's a five-year career grant, um, we started, I started with parents first, right? So last year we Um, did a year of workshops with a group of five Black mothers and five Latina mothers um, to try to think about um, building community, of course, but also what is racial justice in elementary math um, and what could that look like? Um, So we spent a lot of time doing math 
together. Um, but we also spent a lot of time talking about um, racial injustice in the schools in which the children of the mothers are in and kind of the challenges. Um, and then I took a group to Todos over the summer, which I think was a really transformational experience for them to kind of see some of the other parent engagement work that's really being led by parents in different parts of the country. Um, so in our third year, this is the third year of the project, the plan was to bring in teachers, but we're going to hold off on that for another year. And the parents are really going to do some participatory action research to think about what are the, the challenges in children's school math that they want to understand and to be able to address with teachers. Um, so then the idea in the fourth year is to bring teachers into the group um, and for parents and teachers to imagine together some kind of collective action that they could take to advance racial justice in elementary math. I love how you brought the parents and the community to Totos? Like, what was that experience like? Because, I mean, you do this community-engaged scholarship, you do everything with community and think, oh, okay, we go to these conferences and sometimes it's usually just our colleagues and peers that are there, but to bring in families and bring in community in that space, like, what was that experience like? So we, um, that was initially not part of the plan. <laughs> it wasn't in the book. <laughs> originally um, but the mothers had asked me I think it was around April they asked if there was a conference that we could go to together over the summer um, because they were interested in learning more about mathematics education and kind of the work being done and so of course I said yes Totos would be perfect right for mm -hmm. this um, so seven out of the ten mothers ended up being able to go um, yes. And one of their um, sons who had just graduated from high school, he had kind of also participated in all the work that the parents were doing together. So he came with us as well. Um, and so they, I mean, it was an amazing, right, like community building experience. But I think, like I said, it was also really transformational in how they were thinking about what what our work as a group could be. Right. Mm. So a lot of it had been in the first year really focusing on how they support their own child. Right. And so seeing some of going, there are a lot of community engagement sessions at Todos. Right. So mm -hmm. some mothers went to sessions focused on community engagement. Others um, went to sessions focused on bilingual math education. Um, some went to some of the sessions on LGBTQ plus right, issues in math ed. Um, so there was kind of people went to whatever sessions they were interested in. Um, and since then, they've been kind of brainstorming what are some things that we could do because we want to present next time we go to a conference. Okay. So I think it was important for their identity development as leaders, right, in, in math education to see that they could really design some sort of action on their own and then share what they learn with others. Um, but I think in terms of community building, it was also, it did the work that I'd been trying to do for the whole year in ways that I couldn't right, <laughs> make work. Mm -hmm. So we, um, as I said, we have five black mothers and five um, Latina mothers. Most Two of our Latina mothers are really comfortable with English, um, but three prefer to communicate in Spanish. And none of our um, 
black mothers speak Spanish. So we've had trouble. We had trouble over the first year really forming community across languages. Um, so we actually did the master designer activity together mm-hmm. that um, that you mentioned early, Jen. And that was, you know, it was a start, right, of getting them to learn to communicate differently with each other and getting to know each other. Um, but it was just really hard to, like, get them to communicate when they weren't without me prompting, right? That sort mm-hmm. of like cross-collaboration and communication. Um, so when we went to the dinner the first night at Todos, I noticed like we didn't all fit at one table. So um, our Black mothers were sitting together at one table and our Latina mothers were sitting together at a different table. When we went to breakfast the next morning, they were mixed. And mm. so there's this like socializing and like bonding in people's rooms, like in the evening mm-hmm. that built relationships in ways that like we haven't been able to do up to that point. Yeah. And TOTUS is such an inviting space in that regard, right? It's not, it's a, it's a very inclusive and soul filling um, conference. So I'm glad that that was kind of like one of their experiences and then that you can continue to draw and build on that as they move into that participatory action research project that you were talking moving forward that, that I had to fill your heart to see that happen over, over time there. Yes. Yes. And they're so excited. Um, I mean, I think it just brought a level of energy into the group um, in imagining, right, something that they hadn't yet been able to imagine. And doing it in community um, with folks from across the country in different roles, right? Um, I think that that's pretty powerful. Yes. What have you, what are some other things that you've learned through the two projects that you've had, like moving forward? Are there some things that you're thinking about um, attending to based on different like outcomes? Or um, you said that you, uh, I think you said you get a lot of feedback around working with parents and the communities and different spaces and thinking about how is that feedback kind of informing um, what you're going to be doing moving forward with these projects? Um. So with craft, I think we're still trying to figure out what is next, um, mostly because I have a lot of projects right now. And so um, we're trying, I have two collaborators on that project who do work in early childhood um, exclusively. One is more science ed focused and the other is more literacy ed focused. And so I'm hoping they're going to take more of a lead. So I think one of them is interested in thinking about what the work would look like in more of a rural setting. Um, and she does some work in the on the Koala Boundary in North Carolina as well. So thinking about what that work would look like with Indigenous families. Um, but I think Lori Cottle is her name. I think she's going to be sort of taking that in new directions, which is exciting. Um, and then for Planer, I think... Um, I just feel like we're right in the middle and the heart of the work at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think I learned more and more how much time a community engaged work takes, mm-hmm. right. Just to build relationships um, and to move through like different stages of projects. So I just had, um, I have three fabulous doc students who work on that project with me this year, who are um, one is a Latina woman and two black women Um we were just having some amazing conversations about what it's going to look like when we bring teachers into the space, because right now um, I'm the only white person right in the space. Um, 
So how is that going to change, right? The dynamics of the group. Um, and then also we read a couple of articles about using participatory action research as a parental engagement strategy. And so we were kind of talking about um, some of the work that's been done in that area outside of math ed. And they were like, this all sounds great, but like, how do you make this manageable? Because we were talking about mm -hmm. how you read it in one article and it seems like they just did all these things, right? Right, right. They did these workshops that addressed everything. And it's like, well, that probably took place over multiple years, right? Um, so recognizing that the participatory action research that the mothers are going to do this year, their action item might just be sharing information with the community, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that that is a perfectly valid starting point, right, for making change is disseminating, right, information about what you've learned. Um, and so I don't know then what that is going to look like when we bring teachers into the group. Um, so I could imagine that a next logical step for that work would be to um, expand kind of the scope of the work that we're doing a bit more mm -hmm. um, because we could easily, you know, continue doing this work for another five years. I appreciate you sharing um, and talking with other scholars in the field that do the community gauge research, how much time it takes to build those relationships. And I think when we write these projects and grants, career and stuff, I don't know how much time is taken to really think, okay, that first year and even maybe two years, it's going to take, right? And the different ways that we can engage in um, um, community outreach, the the programs, the nonprofits that are already there. I think that's a brilliant strategy. Um, but yeah, how much time um, it takes to do that work. And that work is so foundational as you're finding through um, your projects, right? And so I think I appreciate you sharing that with the listeners that... Sometimes these things that we plan, we think, oh, okay, we'll build relationships. That'll take like well, six months and then we'll start making these things and that. And it's just, it's much deeper than that, right? And I think we do that with our pre-service teachers too. Like we have our courses and we're, we're trying to build relationships and we talk about how important that is. And they see it in that, you know, we only have like 16 weeks with them or something, right? And we do it here, but it's kind of hard to imagine that, man, building relationships in schools with your students takes a long time. It may be like that 143rd day out of the 180 before, you know, it comes together. So I think I really appreciate you bringing that, that aspect up of the work that you do. And I think now that I have those strong relationships, right, in the community, what would be sort of a dream next step that I'm working towards is to have a dedicated community space for families and teachers to come together in the community. Mm -hmm. um, so I've learned that teachers and parents are both very intimidated about coming to campus. So we do all of our meetings in community spaces, um, but we don't have like a dedicated space where we could have like, you know, math manipulatives that people could come in and use. Um, and we always offer childcare um, for the family's children while we're doing the workshops with the mothers. And so we often have to like bring, you know, a whole classroom like mm -hmm. to, to come in and work with the children. So um, that's the partnership I was mentioning with the Children's Science Museum is they're looking to move into a larger space. And so we're mm -hmm. likely going to have a dedicated um, meeting space that eventually I hope parents will lead workshops, right, for other 
families. So they'll take over some of that leadership work um, in the parent engagement um, that they're doing. I love the the word dreaming that you use because it made me think that, you know, moving forward, you dream of the space and then thinking about how could you potentially, if it's possible, think about dreaming together with your parents and teachers about like, how can we make this our space, right, for learning? So again, drawing on your community um, engaged scholarship, what resources would you recommend for those that are interested in learning more about this work? Um, so if you are thinking of doing community engaged work, particularly ac across um, different groups, so groups that might identify with different racial identities or, you know, are positioned kind of institutionally in different ways. I think I learned a lot from reading work that Megan Bang has done with her collaborators around um, community circles and community engagement. Um, and so she has been an inspiration and in kind of how I think about designing the work that we do together in workshop spaces. Um, so I would definitely recommend that you engage with her work if you haven't already. Um, and she draws a lot on kind of indigenous ways of knowing and traditions and how she organizes community spaces. Um, and then I, early in my career at the University of Tennessee, and when I recognized I wanted to move more formally into community-engaged scholarship, I did a, an intensive workshop over the summer that Michigan State offers. Um, and so that's open to anyone. You don't have to be affiliated with Michigan State. I mean, it does you have to pay for the professional development. Um, but that was an amazing experience in terms of getting both the introduction to the theoretical grounding of community engagement, as well as empirical examples, right? And kind of what that looks like in practice and learning about how to frame my research, teaching and service, right? Through a community engaged scholarship lens. Um, so I would definitely you know, recommend that resource. And then if you're interested in learning about the specific projects that I do, mm -hmm. um, they're on my website, which is francisharper.com. So there's a link there to the craft webpage, which has its own website. It's craft, C-R-R-A-F-T dot org. Um, and you can find the curriculum materials there. It's still a work in progress, but we're going to have a lot more coming on that soon. Um, there's a little bit about planar, but not too much yet. But there mm -hmm. will, that will be built out as the project kind of moves forward. Um, and then, not yet, but coming soon, there will also be a link to some family engagement modules that I developed for pre-service teacher education with some of my colleagues um, at in my department of practice and teacher ed, and then also um, with our collaborators at Centro and at the Children's Science Museum. Um, and we did workshops with families to kind of co-develop some teacher education modules um, with input from families. Oh, this is great. And so just keep an eye out on your website for more to come um, with a planner project. That's great. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Do you have um, some presentations or webinars or other resources that you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't thought about that. Um, 
No, I can't think of any other. Well, while while you're thinking, Francis, I'll say like, I just was perusing your website. And so if you want to know what, what (laughs) Francis Harper's doing, there's lots of great links there. And like, so yeah, we'll put all those links into the uh, show notes for this episode, but uh, also too, like your um, profile at the university of Tennessee, Knoxville is uh, got all sorts of stuff too. So to see what, what, uh, what you've been up to. So I like like that but also too that the fact is that uh, people can keep going back to your website to see what what's new around the corner here yeah i guess i will share that um we had our first manuscript from the craft partnership um come out this year so that's in early childhood research quarterly ecrq um and so you can i think it came out in june um, and so in that one, we talk a lot about the early partnership work that we mm-hmm. were doing with teachers and um, families in terms of thinking about how to co-develop um, the curriculum. So that is a piece we were really excited about. And then we have um, from that project, another piece that um, is being resubmitted after revise and resubmit to learning media and technology that looks at um, a framework for co- uh, culturally responsive computing for young children. Um, and so we're excited about that, which we hope will be coming soon. Um, and then with Planar, I've, we've just been doing the works. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't have any publications from that one in the works yet, but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Well, thank you so much, Francis, for um, being with us and having this opportunity to uh, learn from and with you with you today. Yeah, thanks again for inviting me. Thanks again for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. We hope that you're able to take action on something that you heard and interact with other math teacher educators. Also, did you know that AMTE has another podcast? the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast. The MTE podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors discuss the work they have submitted for publication. Find a link to the MTE podcast in the show notes for this episode.